Welcome to the GW Regulatory Studies Podcast. I'm Nate Thompson at the Regulatory Studies Center. Joining us today is Dylan Desjardins. Hello, Dylan. Hi, Nate. So in addition to being a research assistant at our center, Dylan is an alumnus of GW's graduate program in public policy, and he's an analyst with the GAO. Dylan recently wrote a commentary about a growing push to make AM radio a mandatory feature in electric vehicles. Now, how did this become a popular cause, Dylan? So as the transition to electric vehicles ramps up, automakers are facing a dilemma on the radio dial. AM radio is already lower fidelity than FM bands, like that's why it typically transmits human voices in talk form rather than music. So when ADM radio equipment is installed next to electric motors, the AM radio frequencies are prone to electrical interference. There do seem to be some workarounds to this, but for automakers, this is an added expense, and many of them seem like they would rather just remove AM uh, capabilities entirely. But AM radio remains an important mode of mass communication, and some advocates are calling for a regulatory solution to ensure it remains on your dashboard dial. So how many Americans even listen to AM radio these days in a given month? And, you know, is AM radio still essential source of communication and news? So according to the National Association of broadcasters, more than 80 million people in the U.S. listen to ADM radio in a given month. So still surprisingly high, even though listenership may have declined from uh, in the past years. And about three quarters of this AM listening occurs in cars. So with the future of AM radio in question, how essential it is really is a matter of some debate. Proponents of AM radio say that it can offer hyper hyper local content that can't really be found elsewhere, like catering to specific communities, specific geographies. Even though AM radio frequencies can have a range of hundreds of miles, some stations have really made their material centered on issues relevant to underrepresented communities in some instances. And then additionally, AM stations remain a part of the emergency alert system, which the federal government uses to provide information during a crisis, so can be essential in that sense, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yes, and in this instance, um, we have the options to, to think about. It, should we just let a private market make an adjustment and let uh, companies offer their um, programming in a different way? Or we could pursue a legislative or a regulatory solution on this issue. And that's kind of why uh, it became of interest to our team because there was a bill introduced and, and you're seeing um, some calls for regulatory action on this front. Isn't that right, Dylan? Mm-hmm. There's definitely been some voices for congressional or regulatory action. And some of the loudest calls here are coming from stakeholders with like a financial or commercial interest in AM radio. So this is like AM radio station owners, uh, the NAS- National Association of Broadcasters, and then there have been, you kind of see this in mass media, some uh, talk radio personalities that have suggested that this will kill their business. And even sometimes that there's perhaps a political calculus behind this push, that this is a tactic to remove access to talk radio, which is dominantly conservative in most instances for Americans. And some of these advocates have argued that like AM radio needs to stay because it's a deeply reliable 
channel of communication for Americans. And so in addition to providing millions of people content that they might want or that they might like, it can serve as a warning system that might help them, for example, prepare for an incoming disaster. And I think this last point is why there's been like bipartisan concern over the idea of AM radio removal. So in contrast to these kind of uh, talk radio hosts I mentioned earlier, uh, there's been lots of democratic push uh, to keep AM radio as well. For example, Senator Markey has suggested in a letter that nine automakers have undermined the Federal Emergency Management Agency's system for delivering critical public safety information to the public. There's a lot of people on both sides of the political aisle who seem to at least uh, have their antenna in the air noticing this coming up. And is there a case to be made that uh, maybe we're just better off letting AM radio go the way of the dinosaur? Is removing the AM radio from our dial just the way things should be? So, yeah, I mean, I think I think for starters, the automakers themselves are implicitly making this case through the decision to remove AM radio from new electric vehicles. Yeah, Volkswagen and Mazda are among those that have announced plans to remove AM radio. Tesla, BMW, Audi, and Volvo have done this to some extent already. So they seem to see this as a non-essential feature. And some few figures in this industry have suggested that like, in an increasingly connected world, AM radio is just not as vital as it once was. So for example, a representative of the Alliance for Automotive Innovation, which is essentially a lobbying group, suggested to legislators that safety alert systems included in digital audio services could really serve as like drivers or substitutes for uh, essential information in the absence of AM radio. Clearly, AM radio, I think, is an important mode of communication in news consumption right now, but news technology, new technologies have like always disrupted markets to some extent. So companies and their customers will always need to adjust in response. There have been shifts in the past we can compare this to. In the 70s, many cars came with eight-track cassette players, and that shifted to cassette tapes in cars in the 80s, followed by compact discs, and it just goes on down the line like that. We've never had to have regulatory requirements to help us transition through those changes in technology before, before um, the marketplace and consumers kind of usually adapted pretty smoothly to some of these transitions. So maybe what we have to ask here might be, is there a special public interest in mandating the use of AM radio in next generation automobiles? Yes. And that's to me what the crux of this issue is. It's like, where's the public purpose, the public interest in keeping around a technology that may have seen its heyday come and go. And, and so where are the gov where's the government action on this so far? You said that there's been a bill that's been introduced on the Hill. Mm -hmm. So there have been some steps to kind of uh, make sure that AM radio remains in vehicles. On July 28th, the Senate committee approved the AM for Every Vehicle Act, uh, sending it to the Senate floor for consideration. And there's a similar version of the bill that's made some progress in the House. Uh, in each chamber, there's been strong bipartisan support. Uh, so the AM for Every Vehicle Act would do a couple things. First of all, it directs the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to make a rule that requires automakers 
to include AM broadcast radio in their automobiles without charging an additional fee to customers. So automakers would be kind of on the hook for any additional costs here, probably in including this and figuring out how to make it work with electric vehicles. Secondly, the act would ask the Government Accountability Office to investigate whether alternative communication channels could fully replicate AM broadcast radio's ability to alert the public of emergencies. So there's kind of a research component uh, gathering further intel to this uh, congressional action as well. Well, it's, it's a good thing that they're looking at other options because to me, I you know, I just think if a manufacturer gets a requirement to add a feature that they wouldn't have otherwise included, then that just creates additional cost. And we would assume that additional cost would be passed on to consumers. So um, I, I hadn't been aware that there was an actual measure to, con to prevent the manufacturers from just tacking additional fees onto the cars. So that's interesting. And then mm -hmm. as you say, you know, they're looking for other communication channels that could just replicate what we have with AM right now. And and, and that makes this a, an exercise worthy of, of looking into. Um, but has there been any other steps about getting the bill out of committee, getting it passed and, and getting movement on it? Sort of. So as of early September, the bill had attracted a number of co-sponsors in each chamber, uh, about 150 in the House and about 30 in the Senate. And there hasn't been any recent forward movement on passage. Like my understanding is that there's a lot of other things congressional leaders uh, have on their minds right now and are uh, working through. But even more recently, uh, on October 6th, the Congressional Budget Office released a cost estimate of the AM Radio for Every Vehicle Act. Uh, the Congressional Budget Office, or CBO, is typically responsible for understanding costs and benefits of proposed congressional legislation. And so drawing on past rules and research here, CBO estimates that implementing the bill would cost uh, DOT and GAO together a total of $1 million over the 224 to 2024 to 2028 period. Oh, I see. So the $1 million, and that's just really the cost to the agencies in implementing a new policy. Uh, am I to understand that, Dylan? That's correct. That wouldn't include cost to automakers of uh, making sure AM radio, radio remains in their vehicles if there's increased cost to them for that. So, so the, the analysts at the government agencies, they'll also be looking at the numbers to try to estimate what the costs to the manufacturers would be. And then certainly you would expect that to come out to more than a million dollars in a four-year period. It, it would probably um, approach that threshold where they consider it economically significant. And that would mean that OIRA would typically be involved in a rulemaking process on something that economically significant. So there'll be more more opportunities for the regulatory studies team to watch this issue is what I'm hearing you say. Absolutely. Um, I think it's quite plausible that there will be significant costs uh, in any benefit cost analysis done later on down the line. But it's worth just making clear that even if costs outweighed benefits in those analyses, if this is uh, a rule that Congress is compelling the agency to do directly, the agency would likely have to uh, put the act in place and promulgate the rule, regardless of whether the costs outweighed the benefits. And, and that's 
something that sometimes happens when we do find that there's a public interest, there could be the reason to pursue it, even if the costs don't outweigh the perceived benefits. Yes, absolutely. And so you've made the case here, or you've explained some reasons why there could be a public interest. You said that the, the hyper-localized programming might be a thing that we want to maintain. What other rationale do you think an agency would consider? Yeah, I think um, emergency broadcast could be uh, the major uh, rationale for this kind of regulation. Whether there, if there are other rationales, it's unclear whether they would really uh, stand up to the agency scrutiny that typically rules and regulations go through. So having like localized programming on the radio might be a nice thing. It can be seen as something good, but it's not something typically seen as something that an agency would usually have a mandate or responsibility to enable. Uh, so I think if this comes to actually being something uh, the NHTSA is putting into place, they might struggle to voice a compelling public concern other than the emergency broadcast system uh, that would typically be needed to uh, promulgate a rule like this. Well, this has been so informative. I had not even been aware that such a technological uh, conflict was taking place. And um, I really appreciate you putting together this overview for our team and for our listeners and helping us keep an eye on this issue as technology moves forward and as, uh, and as we continue the public debate on whether AM radio should continue uh, showing up on our da dashboards of our cars. Thanks to you, Dylan, and uh, thanks all for listening. I want to encourage everyone to go read Dylan's full commentary at our website, and you can find that at go.gwu.edu slash regstudies and click on publications. So um, thanks, Dylan, for joining us, and thanks for listening. I hope you will all join us again very soon for another Reg Studies podcast. Thank you, Nate. Take care.